What's good, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Kind of Funny Games Daily for Tuesday, August 27th, 2019. I'm Andrea Renee, joined by the new kid on the block, Imran Khan is here. Howdy. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. I, I didn't think I was going to get to host a show with you before I left, and this was just such a merry surprise. Yeah, I was looking at the schedule like, oh, well, I don't actually start hosting until like Next week, I think, is my first one, and then I didn't have one with you, because you were going, like, the next week after that. Yeah, exactly. So, it's it's very good, like, a very uh, appropriate and happy surprise. Absolutely. So, you may be wondering, ladies and gentlemen, if you watched yesterday's show, um, isn't Fran supposed to be hosting KFGD with Andrea today? You know what? Yes, he is. <laughs> but this morning, Greg, doing his due diligence, texted both of us to be like, I know you're professionals. I am just an unprofessional worrier. You do both know you're hosting KFGD today, right? And I said, of course, Greg, I'm building the dock right now. Um, Fran, no response. Oh, no. Greg texted again. It was like, Fran, did you get the message? No response. Uh-oh. I was like, should we call him? Greg calls him, doesn't pick up. Oh, no. Is Fran dead? I hope not. <laughs> I'm going to feel real bad was... like if something happened. I'm going to be like, oh, well, I was, cause I was talking shit about Fran all day. <laughs> well, listen, that's the rule. It's kind of funny. You get to talk shit about people who aren't in rest the room, in, right, yeah. Barrett? Yeah, rest in peace, Fran. Possibly <laughs> current proofing. Possibly proofing. Rest in peace, Fran. Um, I'm sure he's just sleeping. He was probably streaming last night. Maybe someone in the chat can let us know if he was streaming last night. I had to turn his notifications off because it just my, I was getting all these emails every time Fran was streaming. It's always at the top of my Twitter thing of like, oh, Fran Mirabella just went online. I'm like, of course, he's always online. Yeah, he's, he's a he's a professional, yeah. except when he's not, like right now. <laughs> um, but we still love you, Fran. Um, but, of course, this is Kind of Funny Games Daily, where we bring you the nerdy video game news you need to know about. If you like that, be part of the show. Go to patreon.com slash kindoffunnygames, where you can send us in your questions, your squat-ups, and everything else under the video game sun. And if you're watching live at twitch.tv slash kindoffunnygames, you've got a special job to help keep us honest, to let us know what we screw up as we screw Screw it up at kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong so we can set the record straight for everybody listening on podcast services around the globe. Before we get to housekeeping, I also want to remind you that you guys can watch the games cast with the control review at youtube.com slash kindoffunnygames. That is live now. Barrett makes a special appearance. I'm in the back half of the episode because we had to tape it out of order because of the embargo but it's a good one it's a good one this week someone i think posted on the the reddit or something they're just listening to the episode they're like that reaction when barrett suddenly turns into andrea <laughs> it was pretty good it was pretty good i haven't um i haven't watched the transition yet because i had to i had to sked- skedaddle to go take care of some stuff um that day but um and then the rest of my day definitely turned to shit last week so we won't talk about that now but go watch the games cast if you are enjoying it okay now on to housekeeping PAX is this weekend. It's just a couple of days away, ladies and gentlemen. And Greg is hosting a Guild Wars event on Friday morning. He's also hosting the Kind of Funny Game Showcase Friday afternoon at 4.30, where he's got a bunch of indie devs lined up to show you their games. So definitely stop by for that. Plus, the Intersight Championship for the Pear Schneider Cup is happening on Saturday at 9 p.m. I thought it was at 8 p.m., and then it was 9, and I was like, Greg, we're definitely bringing drinks to this thing, right? And he was like, Oh, yeah, I'm going to be drunk. <laughs> um, and I believe that is in one of the live streaming rooms. I think it's in the Raven Theater, which I believe is either PAX 2 or PAX 3. Just make sure you follow either of us or both of us on Twitter, and we'll send out the links. So if you are not at PAX and can't attend, you can watch it on the Internet. I'm also hosting a bunch of stuff at PAX. On Friday at 12 p.m., I'm hosting the Life is Strange panel uh, with some of the voice talent and writers. And, of course, Michelle, who's one of the co-founders of uh, Don't Not. So please come by and see us there. Uh, Um, Also, Friday night, the What's Good Games party is happening. It's open to the public. It's free admission. The first 100 people in line are going to get a free adult beverage on us. So you can't really say that. There's not a lot of PAX parties that just anybody can go to. You usually have to have an invite. I think I actually RSVP'd to that one. You did. I saw. Nice. Um, I think you wrote something really cheeky because there's a a line that says like um, outlet or company name for for press um, because uh, Square Enix is handling press invites. And I think it was like, I don't know. 
Yeah, or? I think that was on, I probably repeated that on what, Tuesday or Wednesday. Of like, yeah. I legitimately don't know. Like, <laughs> what am I supposed to put here? And now you can put kind of funny games. Yeah, now it's I can. great. And then on Saturday, I'm hosting the Outer Worlds panel at 1.30 p.m. It is going to be all about narrative design and the characters of the Outer Worlds. So please come by and see us there. And then, of course, I'm hopefully going to win the Interwebsite <laughs> Championship. Probably not, but I'll have fun doing it. Can I throw a couple of plugs in here while I have the Of course. The I have plugs? one last thing, and then it's your turn to do the plugs. And then the What's Good Games live panel is happening at 7 p.m. on Sunday night. That's 7 p.m. Pacific, and will be live streamed from the Raven Theater as well. All right. So I have a panel on Saturday at 6.30, just before the kind of funny panel about... News writing in video games. It's me, Rebecca Valentine, Matt Kim from IGN, and Eric Van Allen from US Gamer. So we're going to talk that about that. Is a stacked panel. It is an extremely stacked panel. And we had a couple of people drop out, but like it's like it's a great panel that you really want to come and listen to us complain about their jobs for an hour. No, you're not going to just complain about your we're gonna, jobs. Yeah, we're not going to complain entirely. We're going to talk a lot of, about the day to day, what you do about sources ethically, what you do in this sort of job and all that sort of thing. See, they're It'll, real journalists. <laughs> Me, I'm just a person holding a microphone, okay? It, we'll, we'll do our best to be real journalists and also kind of entertaining. That's fantastic. But, uh, on Monday at, I think, 3? No, 1 o'clock. It's a, I'm on a Metal Gear Solid panel with uh, also U.S. Gamer and I believe Game Ranks as well. I Game Ranks. Yeah, I'm not Those sure. guys. Is that Baldino guy going to be there? Uh, Baldino's going to be there. I don't know if he's going to be at that panel. Okay. But uh, yeah, we're, we are going to talk about the entire history of Metal Gear Solid. I don't know where that's going to go. I've gotten no agenda about it. I've just been told, come here and talk about Metal Gear. So come there and hear us talk about Ocelot's arm for like an hour. If people want to find out more details about these panels are you tweeting about them where can they go if they're like "Ooh, i like metal gear what's that thing that imran said i don't remember i'll start tweeting about them today okay but uh, obviously pax this week and it's kind of snuck up on me and what's your twitter handle uh at imran z-o-m-g okay we'll put it in the show notes for you guys but also he's the new kid on the block you know it'll take you some time to learn it there's also some packs. The pack schedule is on, online, too, so you can find that there. Oh, yes. BT Dubs, pro tip. If you are going to packs, download the guidebook app on your phone and then search for PAX West 2019. And the app functionality for PAX is like chef's kiss. Beautiful. Yeah. Make like, sure to download it There's a it map. Locally. There's a schedule. <laughs> you can like set reminders and your phone will send you notifications when the panels are coming up that you want to see. It's super helpful. It's really useful because, like, especially with the way PAX is spread out, mm-hmm. just, oh, I want to go from this panel to this panel. Oh, wait, this panel's across town. Yeah. They so. added, like, two more hotels to the list for panels this yeah. year, and I'm like, <laughs> man, just yep. got to move PAX West out of Seattle. Just kidding. I love Seattle in August. It's beautiful. All right. Thank you to our Patreon producers, Blackjack, Muhammad, Muhammad. Today we're brought to you by Upstart in Brooklyn, but we'll tell you more about that later. For now, let's get into what is and forever will be the Roper Report. <laughs> Time for some news. Four items on the Roper Report. A picker's dozen. Barrett, I heard you were getting some some shit in the Reddit about your most Morse code abilities. Is that uh, Can you confirm or deny? <laughs> I choose not to respond. Does the Morse code get better with the Batman mask on? I choose not to respond. Okay. <laughs> okay. First story. Wow, classic. Launch surpasses Fortnite on Twitch by hitting 1 million viewers. This write-up comes from GameSpot's Eddie McCook. World of Warcraft Classic Edition is out now, and it's helping WoW to have a massive day on a popular game streaming site, Twitch. World of Warcraft is far and away the most popular game on Twitch for its launch day of August 26th, and the release of WoW Classic undoubtedly played a major role in that. The game topped 1 million viewers on Twitch and is multiple times bigger than all other games. Shortly after servers went live, it reached 1.1 million streams, while the next closest game, Grand Theft Auto V, still hanging on, had fewer than 150,000. Twitch's public stats show that even later in the evening at 10 p.m. Eastern Time, World of Warcraft had 593,000 viewers, which was well ahead of the number two game, Fortnite, which has 120,000. It's not surprising that the launch of a much-anticipated game would lead to a huge surge in viewers, and it will be interesting to see if World of Warcraft can continue to stay popular in the days and weeks ahead. Spoilers, it won't. <laughs> Early on Tuesday, it continued to have nearly six times as many viewers as the next biggest game. Um, Imran, since you've got a laptop there, you want to maybe pull up Twitch.tv's homepage and see what's uh, um, on sure. the front page there? 
Give us a live update. On Mixer, though, it's a different story, writes Eddie. Fortnite remains the most popular game by viewers behind the music categories and Fortnite. Um, maybe Ninja has something to do with that? Just a thought. The downside to WoW Classic's popularity is that players are facing lengthy server queues, even though Blizzard added an additional four servers ahead of launch. WoW Classic, as its name suggests, is a re-release of the original MMO from 2004 with some functionality changes, changes and it's free for existing subscribers of WoW. And he had another story uh, where he talked about the in-game cues that people are finding playing WoW Classic, where he writes, The release is proving to be wildly popular in some striking ways. As expected, players are facing lengthy server queues to simply get into the game, but the waiting doesn't necessarily end once you make your way through the queues. Those who do manage to get in are finding other lines to wait in. Social media reports show that players are waiting in literal queues in-game to complete quests which is like the most polite thing I've ever heard of ever <laughs> in a game. I guess uh, all you WoW lovers are, are some of the good ones. So what's, uh, what's the update, Imran? So right now, World of Warcraft is still sitting at top with 606,000 viewers. Wow. Uh, League of Legends is second with 112,000. So we're looking at like a nearly 500,000 gap between them. And Fortnite's not far behind League of Legends with 109,000. The, if we go all the way down to Grand Theft Auto, which is after just chatting, it's at 73,000. Hmm. So it's a lot of people. Like These are not small numbers, but in comparison to WoW, nothing stacks up. It's a lot of maybe younger folks who are like, what is this WoW business all about? And they've heard their parents talk about their WoW addictions, and they're like, I got to see what the crack is. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's people like Joey who have never played WoW and are like trying to learn how to watch WoW. Just because they're interested in it, in it and because it has such a resurgence on Twitch, especially. Yeah. But it kind of like compounded itself, too, of like people being interested in WoW and it was like, what, what are they doing? Why is everyone watching this WoW classic? And there's like a newer WoW going on. And so they just keep compounding over itself with interest and popularity. Yeah. Were you a big WoW player, Imran? No, I had, I've only ever played the game in the initial beta in like 2006. I have played WoW at BlizzCon as part of a press demo one time. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Like the, the press demos for MMORPGs are always interesting because they're like, oh, we're just going to drop you in here and just do what you want. And like, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of done with this after like 20 minutes. Like, Yeah. If you're not an active player in the MMO community, it's hard to really sink a bunch like, of time in. Because I remember the first time I did an Elder Scrolls online demo and they gave us a three hour time slot because they're like, we, mm -hmm. we know you're probably going to spend the first hour mostly customizing your character. We try not to be t try not to spend too much time there, but it takes, you know, several hours to, to kind of get the mechanics, you know, under mm -hmm. control and understand the menu systems and kind of what you're supposed to do. I mean, because that's by design, it's supposed to be like, you know, a multi hundreds of hours or thousands yeah. of hours kind of game. And like the the selling point for me for an MMORPG is you're investing that character. That character is yours. You're putting all this time and money and effort into making them something. So when I'm playing a demo, I'm like, well, this is not going to matter in an hour. Yeah. So it's hard to really get invested into this. I'm with you. But I appreciate everybody out there who loves WoW. I yeah. just never could commit. I committed my my uh, addiction to other things in the world of video games like Paragon. Um, but I think this is really cool that WoW Classic is getting a resurgence. Hopefully it'll open up the world of MMOs to maybe a younger generation of gamers that never really got the chance to see MMOs when they were kind of at their peak. Yeah. And I really like how they've changed as a genre now and how what we see in live service games is really kind of born out of what MMOs started, mm -hmm. right? Like they were like the first live service game, so to speak. And now there's a lot of other types of genres that are like, what if we did a shared world too? What would that look like? I mean, look at Destiny when mm -hmm. they split off from Activision. They said, well, we never called it an MMORPG, but now we are. We're, we're comfortable calling that. And like you look at Destiny and I still think first person shooter, but that's the genre they identify it as. Well, we're going to talk about Destiny and Activision <laughs> in just a minute. So I'm glad that you did that. I should have probably segued. Actually, you know what? Let's just skip yeah, around. Let's skip around to it. Why, why not? Let's just go straight to um, another story from Eddie at GameSpot. Destiny Dev says Activision was not a, quote, prohibitive overlord. <laughs> Bungie and Activision worked together on Destiny franchise up until the two companies split up earlier this year, with Bungie self-publishing the sci-fi series going forward. Bungie's David Dagg now has discussed, uh, that's Deej, by the way, that split up in more detail, notably dispelling the idea that Activision was a 
prohibitive overlord. Quote, I think we need to dispel the notion that Activision was some prohibitive overlord that wasn't letting us do awesome things, Dag told Eurogamer. We launched this franchise with Activision naturally, and over the course of time, we both decided we had different goals for what we wanted it to be. So we both went our separate ways. It was amicable. And here we are making this game on our own, doing what we think we need to do to make it awesome. In addition to funding and offering a deep network of resources and publishing sales and marketing and more, Activision put some of its own studios, High Moon and Vicarious Visions, to work on Destiny content to help spread the development load. Those studios will no longer be working on Destiny. So how does Bungie plan to fill that gap? Quote, by doing all the work ourselves, Dag said. We're committed to doing all the things we're doing right now. Solstice of Heroes is ours, Moment of Triumph, Shadow Keep, Season of the Undying, and three more seasons after that. There's really nothing more to say, but we're on our own, and Destiny will be what we make of it. Just recently, Destiny director Luke Smith spoke about how developing the content for the game's annual pass was harder on the team than we anticipated. Uh, working on the game was starting to wear people down, Smith said. He added that all of the work that went into creating the new content put the team into an unsustainable development cycle. Going forward and now with Activision no longer having a say, Smith said Bungie has developed a more systemic, standardized set of mechanics for progression to keep our teams healthier. Going back to Dag, he told Eurogamer that the day-to-day -day development on Destiny hasn't changed much following Bungie's split. Things aren't that different, really, Dag said. Discussing the Activision-Bungie breakup earlier this year, Activision management said that the Destiny franchise was failing to meet its commercial projections. Quote, Destiny is highly, critical, highly critically acclaimed, high-quality content, but it was not meeting our financial expectations, executive Cotty Johnson said. Oh, I would be really curious to know what their expectations actually were. I feel yeah. like sometimes these behemoth publishers set these wildly unrealistic expectations. Mm -hmm. And when the game does really great, like sells, for example, 5 million units, which is an amazing accomplishment. They're like, nah, that wasn't enough. I mean, it's, it's like all other things. How much money you spend for it needs to like come out the other end. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't know firsthand how much Destiny and Destiny 2 cost. Probably a lot. Bungie, <laughs> not a small studio. Not a small studio. Probably has like, a high burn rate. <laughs> like, high burn rate, probably extensive marketing for those two games. Absolutely. So maybe five million wasn't enough for that game. But it's hard to say. And I, I remember that civic quote. He was kind of referring specifically to Shadowkeep. Or not Shadowkeep. Uh, sorry. Uh, that last big expansion. Forsaken? Forsaken. There we go. Like, that, the sales for that weren't matching up because they were expecting... As our Bungie said, they wanted that game to be an MMORPG. I think Activision was expecting wow money from it. Right. Which is unrealistic. Because like, executives don't necessarily understand how a genre is going to play or how like, it's going to react with the market. And they assumed, based on like those initial, uh, what do you call it, the lawsuit with Vincent Pell and Frank West where we mm -hmm. first heard about Destiny the first mm -hmm. time, they made it sound like it was going to be this huge MMORPG open world thing that everyone in the world was going to play. And it did not turn out, it turned out to be an amazing game that was quite popular, but not quite a cultural event. I agree. I think the real problem with Destiny not meeting expectations in the first couple of years of launch is that they really had to kind of make their way through this landmine of figuring out what Destiny is. Yeah. And then, you know, that was a collaborative process that they did with their community. And I was really excited as somebody who plays a lot of Destiny that they were so open and willing to like have a dialogue with their fans. And granted, they've made mistakes. Every mm -hmm. developer does. No game is perfect. But I think they're in such a good spot now. I'm really happy that they were able to take ownership of the franchise that they've put their blood, sweat, and tears into and say, you know what? Now we don't have to ha deal with these expectations for how many sales we're supposed to have or you know, what kind of marketing we're supposed to do or what we can even call our game. We get to make all those choices. Yeah. And I think the future is bright for Destiny fans. And I think like the Activision, like where Activision did stand in the way of Destiny was on the kind of open dialogue thing of it right. of uh, when working from the press side when you wanted to get a question about destiny answered it had to go through multiple pr agencies including Activision and bungees <laughs> yeah and now it's a lot easier that you can like bungee can just answer what they want to do like luke smith's director's cut stuff is that those are literal like novellas mm -hmm. of information that he's talking to the destiny community about so i kind of chart this by our chart the community how happy they are by how they respond to him on twitter and when you look at it a year or two ago, it was anger and like, why isn't this fixed? And why aren't you guys doing this? Why is this so slow? And now it's like, oh, yeah, take all the time you need. Like, we're loving Destiny now. 
like thank you for you know communicating with us on these things well i think the people who were really angry hopefully just gave up on the game and left because <laughs> we don't i don't want any angry people in the destiny community i mean there's always going to be people and i have my fair share of destiny rants but everybody who watches this show and listens to what's good knows that i love destiny more than i a you know, I'm mad at Destiny. Um, I think as fans of of any game or franchise or studio, you know, you want the best for the things that you love, and sometimes that means you have to turn a critical eye to those things. Right. Uh, but hopefully, you do it in a respectful way and not a mean, nasty way, like some people do on the. You internet. should read like any responses to any Nintendo tweet. They're all like they vary in levels of completely irrelevant to just like kind of angry. So like. <laughs> Like, yeah. Especially when any rumored Nintendo Direct is coming up, because the first 50 replies will only be, when's the Nintendo Direct? As if the social media manager is going to answer them. Interesting that you bring up Nintendo. Another Greg way. No, it's not really a Greg way. <laughs> is Overwatch coming to Nintendo Switch? Mike Bookwerter over at Polygon writes, on Monday, an accessory maker, Power A, briefly listed a carrying case for the Switch through Amazon that was Overwatch themed. The black and orange case featured the Overwatch logo and the accessory noted that it was officially licensed by Nintendo and Blizzard Entertainment. The product listing was quickly removed from Amazon after being posted to Twitter and video game forum reset era. Blizzard has not officially announced a port of Overwatch for Switch, but it certainly wouldn't be out of the question. The company brought the Diablo 3 Eternal Collection to Switch in 2018, and Overwatch game director Jeff Kaplan addressed the possibility of a Switch port in 2017, sounding optimistic, but calling adapting the shooter for the portable challenging. I'm loving Switch, Kaplan said in a Reddit AMA session at the time. My second favorite gaming platform of all time is the 3DS. Getting Overwatch on Switch is very challenging for us, but we're always open-minded about exploring possible platforms. With rumors of an Pending Nintendo Direct presentation and BlizzCon 2019 coming in November. We'll soon find out if this is more than just a strange coincidence. And over at patreon.com slash kindoffunnygames, Lee Polero writes in and says, So, an Overwatch Nintendo Switch case appeared in the wild and then quickly delisted. While this could obviously mean that Overwatch is possibly coming to Switch, which is awesome, I'm more interested in what you think this means in terms of the industry going cross-platform slash play progression. Right now, there is no cross-platform play or progression for Overwatch, which sucks because you already have to have a Battle.net account for it, so why not? If Overwatch comes to Switch, do you think they will implement a cross-progression or cross-play feature? Because I doubt many people will be picking up for the first time on Switch, though that's just an opinion and I could be super wrong. And it would suck starting over on all skins, emotes, etc. Thank you for taking the time to answer the question. Edit as necessary. I thought it was all greatly. No <laughs> need to edit. So, Power A is a very reputable um, mm-hmm. third-party accessory maker. I don't for a second think that this was fake. I think this was an oops yep. that wasn't supposed to go live. I've been hearing about Overwatch and Switch for at least a year. So like it's not been a super well-kept secret. Uh, when I was interviewing Blizzard last year, I just straight up asked them like, hey, what are you, are you working on other Blizzard games for the Switch? They're like, we've got other things in the works. Since there's been nothing else and these rumors have been pretty wild since then, I'm... I'm throwing my lot behind this as being legitimate. Yeah. Like, it's it's not a particularly demanding game. Uh, they recently did a big overhaul to the engine that required the client to be re-downloaded on pretty much every platform. I so remember this. It's something that can, can run on Switch, maybe not perfectly, maybe not nearly as well as on other consoles, but the art style is going to hide a lot of those graphical flaws too, so... I I could easily see that being a thing Nintendo's like, if you're going to do Diablo, we want Overwatch as well. Absolutely. Well, I mean, Diablo, when it comes to multiplayer, is a different beast, right? right. It's different. It's different for in a variety of ways from what Overwatch is doing. And I think now that we're you know a, a couple of years into the Switch's life cycle, that's given the team at Blizzard time to work with the hardware, see how they can make their engine work on the platform, right. and make any tweaks necessary. And also, I would imagine that they're probably working with a port house that has experience porting stuff to Nintendo Switch because there's a couple of them out there that do a lot of port work. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would be interested to know if they are using an outside developer to assist them with this. Obviously, this is not a confirmation. We're just speculating if Overwatch is actually coming to Switch. But it, I mean, it's feels like the right time i would imagine that they would probably wait until blizzcon to announce this this doesn't seem like something they would announce like at pax west or anything like that it's weird because like with nintendo stuff nintendo likes to have so much control over announcements so like they kind of see it as a nintendo direct thing maybe 
versus like a announcement Blizzard has because Diablo, I think it was just some random Tuesday. Like a couple of us had seen, known it beforehand, but like I think just. It was yeah, like but an there was that the whole business with the light switch on Twitter, and there was so like a lot actually, of like kind of like hints and leaks leading up to BlizzCon. And then I think what happened was they were like, oh, you know, someone's definitely going to find this out before <laughs> BlizzCon. Let's just announce it." So I, I talked to them about that light switch thing once. They okay. they told me it was a complete coincidence that their social media guy in Texas was doing some merchandise stuff. They sure. actually have a light switch, our Diablo light switch item that they were selling. They're like, let's just make a video. It's not even connected to the rest of Blizzard. No one had any idea that they were going to like do that and it would come off as a tease. Likely story. Maybe they're lying. <laughs> <laughs> it's certainly possible. But when they told me that, I'm like, that's, that's BS, right? I don't think they would lie to you. Well, maybe they would. I've certainly had PR people lie to me on more than one occasion. Mm. But... I don't know. It's the, that's that's a mighty coincidence. It, I I can imagine somebody in PR like who knew about Diablo three on Switch like pulling their hair out like what are you guys doing? You can't hint at this sort of thing when. But yeah, I could I could definitely see Overwatch on there. There have also been rumors, maybe related, maybe not, of Tracer being in Smash Brothers. Mm. I don't know anything She'd be about a good that. Good addition. <laughs> she would be a good addition. It would be very cool. There are already like other like major third-party characters in that game. See, now that sounds like a direct announcement, uh, a DLC character for Smash, yeah. and then the game coming to Switch overall, I think, would be a BlizzCon thing. Yeah. I could see both. Like, depending on, like, pair the two together so every news story that day is, hey, Overwatch is coming to Switch, and also, because, like, as alone as a port, it's might maybe not the most interesting story like it's cool but we're also looking at a world where the witcher 3 is coming out in on switch in two months man that is just two months away yeah it's wild it is extremely weird the number of things that are being able to be put on the switch so if overwatch does get announced like it's it's interesting but if Overwatch gets announced alongside a Smash Bros. character, that's way more of a new story. I definitely agree with you there. What do you think about this business of a Nintendo Direct on the horizon? So the past two years, there, were, there have been two Nintendo Directs on September 12th and 13th. I would be shocked if they did not follow that up again. Because it's, it's the beginning of a... Or it's close to the end of this quarter. And right. also the Switch Lite comes out in September as well. So they want to really Is push that September that marketing. 20th? I believe so. Yeah, it's late September. Yeah, I believe it's the same day as uh, uh, Link's Awakening. Yes, yeah. it is. The 20th. So you really want to hit all possible notes of get people to rush out and pre-order these things or buy them like the day of. So if you want to like, really hit up on software, maybe an Overwatch announcement saying all these things are here or like a bunch of other stuff with a Nintendo Direct it would be great. Like That would be mm. a smart marketing move. I think you're you're making sense here, Imran. <laughs> um, so we'll definitely keep an eye on it and see if uh, your prediction is correct. Let's look at the let's look at the calendar really quickly and see what day of the week that would be. So September 11th is a Wednesday, my final day. Kind of funny games daily. Um, and September 12th is a Thursday. So do you think it would maybe be Tuesday the 10th? They've been they've had directs on Thursdays before, so Thursdays? I would not be shocked. Yeah. Hmm. Especially because that's also the eShop update day. So if they're going to drop something randomly, that would be a good day to do it. Oh, yeah. Get everyone to open up their Switch and yeah. buy all the things. Or pre-order or, hey, we still got more of those. Uh, or reopen that voucher program again. Who knows? Marketing 101, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> all right. Let's move to our final story in the Roper Report. Um, and this doesn't have a lot of traction yet, but I, I'm bringing it up because um, two of my friends are involved. Um, and I thought it was an interesting thing that's coming down the pipeline. New challenger to Steam in the Epic Game Store arrives soon with Turbo Play and the power of blockchain technology and cryptocurrencies. So they sent me a press release this morning. If you're like, what's Turbo Play? I haven't heard of it. It's because the platform hasn't launched yet. They've been in the news a couple of times over the last few years talking about their angel investors and uh, seed funding rounds that they've gotten. But what I think is interesting about this is the way that they're... Um, the way that they're kind of building their digital marketplace. So let me read from the press release. TurboPlay, an upstart video games marketplace, is firing up their marketing team and everyone else along the way with the addition of one of gaming's most well-known personality, David Eddings. David joins TurboPlay as the second member on its board of advisors, which is fancy talk for give us all your experience and advice, Dave. Dave is the voice actor genius behind the notoriously hilarious and universally loved Claptrap character in the Borderlands series, as well as Joey Drew from Bendy and the Ink Machine. You may have also heard his work on other notable games like Max Payne and Duke Nukem Forever. 
TurboPlay has been low-key developing what it calls the anti-marketing place, or excuse me, the anti-marketplace marketplace, rewarding gamers for get ready gaming. Like a personal gaming assistant, TurboPlay understands and knows what you like, putting know-it-all hipsters out of business by making it easy to find what you want. The tech is that cool. They're going to have a closed beta starting in mid-September. Um, and from the other press release, um, let me pull that up. I think I took a screenshot of it um, to get some more details. Is Hold their please. big exclusive going to be TurboTax? Barrett. Barrett. Got You're making sense, Barrett. OMG. TurboPlay uses a machine learning algorithm to interpret user behavior, creating a better customer experience. They also support the use of legitimate tokens for transactions, as well as credit cards and PayPal. The company has already secured prolific studios such as Bedtime Games with almost 400,000 players. The video game industry is ripe for disrupt ripe for disruption <laughs> that fancy tech word it's time for change turbo play will take a user-focused approach to develop a platform that makes it easier to buy and sell games and makes in-game microtracks microtransactions more convenient for everyone says vince mcmullen the president and founder of turbo play with the support of the new brunswick innovation foundation and our angel investors we are well positioned to lead the charge for a new model for gaming um i thought this was in- interesting because the platform is built on blockchain technology and i was telling imran before the show i still don't quite know what blockchain technology is but it is like the new hotness in the world of video game development there's been a ton of panels on it at gdc and there were some people talking about it at dice and i think that it's just one of these new technologies that is really invigorating a lot of innovation in the space of video games and platform business and so I'm really interested to learn more about this. I'm hoping to meet up with um, with David Eddings at PAX. I was going to try to call him live this morning um, because he put out a video, which I thought was really hilarious, <laughs> where he is reprising. Well, I shouldn't say that he's imitating <laughs> a well-known robot from the Borderlands uh, franchise, but it's a different name let's see here what they called him oh yeah it's a w3lbr0 wheelbarrow because it's a it's a wheelbarrow here let me um let me see if i can get this to you barrett so we can pull it up so you can see exactly what i'm talking about i've got the slack open send it to kind of funny control kind of funny control do i have that is that the assets channel no i mean you can send it to the assets channel if you're in that okay I don't think I'm on the control because, you know, I'm just a part timer. They don't give me full slack access. <laughs> kind of funny control is just like a like a it's like a profile like you or me or whatever. So you just go to plus direct messages and then you can type that in. I don't see it. Mm-hmm. OK. Did you get it? I did get it. OK. Want me to pull this up? Oh, yeah. Will you go back to the beginning of the video? Yeah. You might have to take it off of mute. Unmute. There we go. I know. Sounds like claptrap to me. That's very close to a lawsuit. <laughs> Playing with fire, but um, that's what Eddings does best. So um, he's going to be at PAX talking about this, and so I'm going to get him to explain to me what the heck blockchain is. Yeah, I've had people try to explain it to me as well, and I'm like, because it's when you're working in news, it all pretty much every third email says the word blockchain in the headline, and like I don't, what does this mean really? Because I'm not much that much of a technology person. And oh, okay. People have tried to tell me, like, okay, well, it makes this easier, or we can do this without having to actually, like, manually, you know, go in and take care of it. I'm like, okay, I kind of understand that part, at least. I don't understand how it works, right? but I understand that it's cloud something, something. Well, we'll find out, but they did just, their PR just got back to me over email and gave me a little bit more information. Um in their uh, message, they say TurboPlay is a PC games marketplace focused on providing benefits to developers and consumers alike. For gamers, there's a loyalty program so you can do stuff like play your own games and get rewarded for it with free games. There's a custom tailored marketplace um, that 
as we mentioned, they built an algorithm around. There's special streaming tech that means that you get to play immediately after purchase while the download occurs. So that's kind of cool. And performance, it says always cranked to 11 with 100% uptime. Um, for publishers and developers, it says they keep 90% of profits and get paid within 30 days. Wowza. That's even better what the Epic Game Store is doing. 90% of profits. Discoverability, no exclusives, no takeovers, no shovelware to drown out your beautiful baby. Uh, support, we support all major game engines. And for transparency, it says transactions and sales info in real time for developers. That is amazing. There's a lot of good things for developers in that like list. Yeah. Well, like now seems to be a weird time to open up a gaming store because like... It, it very much does seem like you're watching Godzilla and Ultraman fight and yeah. you're just one of the Japanese citizens <laughs> at the bottom. Like, it's Discord kind of made that same mistake, but... If Would you, you say that's a mistake that Discord made? I don't think Discord saw the Epic Game Store coming. I thought... It, oh, you mean specifically with their games publishing business? Yeah. Well, they had a store for a very brief bit. They, they did, yes. They clearly scaled back the intentions they were having with it because I used to get weekly emails about it and then I got none. Right. So... I don't think they saw that there. when there's a bunch of small competitors to Steam, it's probably easier to stand out. But when there's Epic and Steam already doing their like conflict there, it's harder for smaller developers because like, right. uh, Congregate had their own cartridge for a little while and they kind of quickly abandoned that. Mm-hmm. Or I don't know if it's abandoned. I don't want to say that for sure. But Well, Congregate also had their really extensive mobile, pl- or excuse me, um, mo- well, they did have a mobile platform and their web-based platform as well where they yeah. did a bunch of browser games. Of course, Imran and I both know about Congregate because we both used to work for the same GameStop overlord. <laughs> mm. um, but I think this is really interesting. I also want to don't want to forget about GOG. GOG is in the mix as well, yes. but they've always kind of been on the periphery. They've been holding their own, um, doing well. But I think that, you know, we always knew that GOG was never going to challenge Steam the yeah, way they that, don't want that. They don't the want way to that Epic like, is. And I think yeah. it's because Epic has this like giant pile of Fortnite money that they can throw around to developers, which is great for devs. But I think what's interesting about what Turbo Play is at least claiming in this, you know, promotional material that they've sent me is like, if this is true, if devs do get to keep 90% of profits and get paid within 30 days, that could be a game changer for really small teams who are literally mortgaging their houses, who are taking out these giant loans all on like a hope and a prayer that somebody's going to buy their game to be able to turn turn around, you know, your revenue that quickly and to keep such a giant chunk of it would be life-changing for some devs. The real benefit here is that it says no, no exclusives. So theoretically, what a developer could do is they could put their game everywhere, so they'll still get the Steam numbers, they'll still get the Epic Game Store numbers, but they can encourage people to go like, hey, I get more money if you do it here. Right. You, you already see them do that with like, if you really want to pay me, like you can buy it off the website versus buying it on Steam. So this is one way for them to do that, and they still, they don't lose anything by doing it. They can only have stuff to gain. Exactly. Well, we'll definitely keep an eye on this. And um, once it goes into closed beta next month, I think we'll probably get some more information. But if you're a PC gamer and this excites you, you know, keep your ear to the ground for what Turbo Play is doing. But when you're going to be able to play on Turbo Play, who knows? It's so far away. If you wanted to know maybe what you could play today, like what came to the Mom and Grab digital shops, Imran, where would you go? The official list of upcoming software across each and every platform as listed by the Kind of Funny Games Daily Show host each and every weekday. Do, 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 yeah. Out today. Wait, wait, wait. Hot off the press. I just got a text from Fran. <laughs> Wait. He's alive! What the fuck? OMG. So sorry. I had no idea. Yeah, the you're wrong. I was, stupidly, said, I was stupidly up playing control until 3 a.m. Did I yeah, not call that? They I said totally four, called that. He started at midnight and was playing until, for four hours. Jesus, oh, Fran. Oh, Fran. Good thing Imran was here to save your ass. Quite <laughs> I, frankly. I, I called it on Sunday, too. Quite being, frankly, an upgrade, yeah. right, Barrett? Yeah, I, exactly. And I'm I called it on Sunday when, when Greg and I were streaming Batman, we should fire Fran. That was mainly for his uh, Well, we can't double. fire Fran. Someone needs to help the load while I'm gone. Yeah, yeah. It was mainly just because of his double dash review, which was complete <laughs> bullshit, you know? Oh, you got to let that go. All right. Out today, Ancestors, The Humankind Odyssey is on PC. The Bard's Tale 4, Director's Cut is on PS4 and PC. Collection of Mana is coming to Switch. That's the physical edition. Control is on PS4, Xbox One, and PC. Crystal. Crystar? Crystar. 
That's probably <laughs> what that is. PS4 and uh, PC. Decay of Logos is on PS4, Switch, Xbox One, and PC. Hunt Showdown is on Xbox One, PC. Knights and Bikes is on PS4 and PC. Minora is on PC. MXGP 2019 is on PS4 and Xbox One. Trine 1 through 3 is on Switch. Whipsy and the Lost Atlas is on PS4, Switch, Xbox One, and PC. World of Warcraft Classic, as we talked about, is out on PC. Wreckfest is on PS4 and Xbox One. And the Fortnite Cross Mayhem event is live. The Pandora Rift Zone has opened and turned the galaxy's deadliest desert planet into a wild PvP playground. While Creative Mode now lets you build your own vision of Pandora's untamed badlands using the new Pandora prefab structures, more thematically appropriate rewards await in the Welcome to Pandora challenges, which, like the Pandora Rift Zone, is available now until Tuesday, September 10th. Be sure to grab the cosmetic items of the Psycho Bundle, which includes a Psycho Bandit outfit and the Psycho Buzz axes, along with a Claptrap pet. Right before Borderlands 3 comes out is when that ends. That's smart marketing. You know, it's like they've done this before. <laughs> um, new dates. Um, over at IGN, they write that Mario Kart Touring is coming to iOS and Android on September 25th. Mario and friends will be racing around courses inspired by real-world cities in addition to classic Mario Kart courses, which will rotate every two weeks. Some characters will even have outfits that match the local flavor of cities featured in the game. Mario Kart Tour is meant to be played with just one finger, and it will allow you to steer, drift, use items, and more. There will also be a new frenzy mode that gives you an unlimited supply of certain items and makes you invincible, although only for a short time. Are you going to play this game? I played the beta. I didn't like it. Yeah? It, what didn't you like about it's it? It's very gotcha-oriented, so like the things you need to continue on, you don't get enough of. So you're constantly going back and trying to do old races. Also, I wasn't positive that you're actually playing against people. I, I heard that there is no online multiplayer. Yeah, I, it seemed like it was just people, like AI Which seems like names. a miss, right? Yeah. For a mobile game? I guess they want it so if you lose signal, you won't like get kicked out of the race, but... But like that's like just the problem with any online game. You lose your internet connection. You have lag. Yeah. Your power goes out. It happens to all of us at least once. Yeah, I, I'm. I may download it just to see because like I like the the old courses. They have Wario Pinball or Waluigi Pinball in there, and like that looks super cool. I love that course when it was in previous games, but. I don't know that I'm actually excited to play this thing at all. Yeah, I heard from other people who played the beta that the in-game monetization was not great. Yeah. And I was not a fan of what they did with Dr. Mario. Mm -hmm. So it if was it's, very much like that. If it's going to be like that, that's kind of like a womp womp. Yeah. Maybe they changed it. It was the beta. So maybe they got good feedback and have fixed it since and then. But do you yeah. think they did, though? No, not at all. Probably not. We'll see. <laughs> but you guys get to try it out on September 25th. Um, GameSpot also writes, Capcom has released compilations of classic Mega Man and Mega Man X games, and now another spin-off collection is in the works. Capcom has announced the Mega Man Zero ZX Legacy Collection for PC, PS4, Xbox One, and Nintendo Switch with a release date of January 21st, 2020. The collection includes six games, Mega Man Zero, 1 through 4, Mega Man ZX, and Mega Man ZX Advent. It promises an artwork gallery, music player, and a new Z Chaser mode with leaderboard. So this I am excited about. Mega Man Zero, like that series, is probably the best action platformer out there. Uh, ZX games. ZX is fine. ZXA was actually a lot better, but no one played it because at that point, people were getting a little tired of the Mega Man formula and like Capcom itself wasn't really seeing a whole lot of return on the games. I, th I don't remember the exact numbers, but that game did not sell well at all. And it just kind of killed the series for it. Like, if you want to point to a game that killed the series, it was ZX Advent. So the fact that they're going back to it and like putting them on modern consoles is great. I'm excited for this. Ooh, Barrett's got a little trailer here for us. Awesome. Several hundred years after Mega Man X, the legendary Zero returns. Discover the origins of the Elf Wars. The Twisted Dark Elf is released. The fearsome Omega returns from exile. Can anything stop this threat from beyond the skies? Prevent Ragnarok from wiping out the last bastion of humanity in natural land. This looks tight. It's great. I don't think I've ever played it. Mega anything. Merge! Fused with unique biometals to take on powerful new forms. The Wheel of Fate begins to turn again. Who will be the strongest of all? That's a generic marketing copy. <laughs> <laughs> New features. Play using the original pixel art or high quality filters. Browse original art from both series. Enjoy all of the music from the game in a single place. The dual screen controls are from the ZX series are back. Choose from a number of layouts at any time. 
Everything gonna... has an exclamation point, you guys. This is why I'm so excited. Enjoy the story of each game with the included casual scenario mode. Are you going to be doing all the VO for this, Andrea? <laughs> yes. And save mid-stage using the new save assist feature. Cool. Yeah. Looks good. Looks Mega Man-y. So the, the Zero series actually has my favorite boss fight of all time. Okay, go that on. At the end of Mega Man Zero Three, I'm going to spoil it a bit for people, but it's like it's a 20 year old game. It's a. It's you, not a spoiler. You fight Zero from the Mega Man X series as Zero from the Mega Man Zero series. So it's this very a cool, intense rival fight with a character who has all these moves from Mega Man X, and it plays this. I can't remember the name of the track off the top of my head, but it plays a very cool and final boss theme that I, I will always remember. That boss fight is one of my favorites. Nice. Well, there you go. You can play it in 2020. Yeah. Well, it's January, so it's not that far away. Yeah, only a couple of months at this point. And lastly, under new dates, Sports Interactive and Sega are giving would-be managers the chance to prove that their opinion means more than most when Football Manager 2020 releases in early November. So if you're into the footballs, November 2020. Deals of the day. Gilly Brums wrote in to patreon.com slash kindoffunnyday and says the weekly Xbox One sale features a lot of great Ubisoft deals. But among them, I would love to point out that Child of Light is $4.49. An incredibly unique game for an unbeatable price. I highly recommend it. Extremely cute. And if you like Final Fantasy VI, it's a pretty, like, it's clearly inspired by that game. Oh, interesting. There you go. All right. Now it's time to get into some reader mail. As we mentioned, Gilly Brums wrote into patreon.com slash games just like you can. In fact, we've got a tier that takes away the ads on the show. And speaking of ads, this episode of Kind of Funny Games Daily is brought to you by Brooklinen. Make your home beautiful is the ultimate form of self-care. You spend a third of your life in sheets. Don't you want them to be insanely comfortable? So when you sleep, sleep well on hotel quality sheets that don't cost an arm and a leg. People are loving and recommending at brooklinen.com. Brooklinen Sheets are named the winner of the best online bedding category by Good Housekeeping. There's rave reviews from Business Insider, Apartment Therapy, Men's Health, and more. There's 35,000 five-star reviews, more than any other online bedding company plus half a million happy sleepers and counting. Greg loves Brooklinen. All his porty in bed photos on Instagram are in these sheets. They were easy to mix and match online. These are luxury sheets, towels, bedding, and more without the luxury markup. Most bedding is marked up by as much as 300%. Brooklinen was the first DTC bedding company, meaning they work directly with manufacturers and directly with consumers. No middlemen. Just a great product and service. Brooklinen sheets are the most comfortable sheets that Greg has ever slept on, and their towels have turned his bathroom into a spa. I couldn't recommend them more for friends, family, or treating yourself to the upgrade you deserve. Brooklinen.com is giving an exclusive offer exclusive offer just for KFGD listeners. Get 10% off and free shipping when you use the promo code GAMES at brooklinen.com. Brooklinen is so confident in their product that all their sheets, comforters, towels come with a lifetime warranty. The only way to get 10% off and free shipping is to use promo code GAMES at brooklinen.com. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com. Promo code GAMES. Brooklinen, these are the best sheets ever. This episode is also brought to you by Upstart. As most of us have found out the hard way, getting into debt is easy. Getting out of debt is hard, especially if your FICO score isn't great. Thankfully, now there's Upstart.com, the revolutionary lending platform that lets you know you're more than just your credit score and offers smart interest rates to help you pay off high interest credit card debt. So Upstart could have helped Greg back when he was young with all of his debt if he had even known what a FICO score was. But listen, he doesn't even pronounce FICO score right. So how is he supposed to know what it is? I love that Barrett laughed at that joke. <laughs> um, they actually reward you based on your education and job history in the form of smarter interest rates. Upstart believes you're more than just your credit score. They believe in you and they understand that. They make it fast, simple, and easy to check your rate in just a few minutes without affecting your credit score. The best part, once the loan is approved, most people get their funds the very next business day. The next day, you get your money, you guys. Over 200,000 people have used Upstart to pay off credit cards, student loans, fund their wedding, or to make a large purchase. Free yourself from the burden of high-interest credit card debt by consolidating everything into one monthly payment with Upstart. See why Upstart is ranked number one in their category with over 300 businesses on Trustpilot and her Hurry to upstart.com slash kfgames to find out how low your upstart rate is. Checking your rate only takes a few minutes and it will not affect your credit. That's upstart.com slash kfgames. 
All right, time for some reader mail. Um, let's see here. <laughs> oh, this is an interesting one. I was going to put it up with the story about WoW, but then I forgot. Riot Goes Wolf says, hello, KFGD crew. With the release of WoW Classic surpassing 1 million Twitch viewers and the success of the old school RuneScape, RuneScape Mobile, it makes me wonder, how do MMORPGs get to a place where people are clamoring for the old versions of what they have now? Do you think it's just nostalgia, or are there fundamental changes being made to these games that take away what made them special? Love you guys and all the best friends. Keep up the great work, Riot. Yes, to all of that. It's <laughs> it's partly nostalgia. It's partly that things changed and like you had nostalgia for the way certain glitches worked or things like that. Like if a, a one of the best examples is Mario All Stars versus Mario One, Two, and Three. That those games made some physics changes. So it doesn't those changes weren't necessarily for the better. But some people just can't play those new versions or newer. I guess it's thirty years old at this point. But newer versions because they're a little different. So they go back to the NES ones and prefer those, even though they arguably look a little worse. So MMORPGs are the same thing. You spend so much time, like we said, investing in those characters and that world and those thing. And once it goes away, once literally a cataclysm happens, you never get to go back to it. You can't get that time back. So these kind of things of letting you go back to that time and the way things worked and the way they just kind of the mechanics clicked in your head, they remind you of old times and that's great. It's interesting that WoW has had this resurgence. I think it's a testament to what Blizzard created back then and has continued to iterate and innovate on over the last you know decade and a half with WoW and the things that they've been doing. And I know for a long time earlier in my career, there was always this talk about like, is there going to be like a new WoW? Are they going to you know make something different instead of just releasing you know these expansions? And obviously, there's been a couple of different iterations of WoW over the years. Years. But um, I think that the crazy you know, surge that we've seen around WoW Classic being released, as we discussed earlier in the show, just reminds people maybe of a simpler time yeah. in games where it wasn't you know, so many moving parts and things happening. And I think we all appreciate the bells and whistles that video games are in you know, 2019, but there's nothing wrong with you know, appreciating the simplicity yeah. of the, the the time of yore. Yeah, and like WoW was kind of an anomaly. Like there's an old axiom in TV that you can't keep a show going for more than 10 years without losing everything good about it. So we've never really seen that with video games either. WoW is one of the only 10-year running video games that is constantly being worked on and updated. So obviously things will change. And so there are people who are now in season 13 that are like, I kind of miss what ha- like the simplicity of season one. So it's good that they have that chance to go back there yeah it'll be interesting to see how long they're able to maintain before the drop-off happens i'm guessing I mean, there's already been kind of a drop-off it just yeah how much of one can they sustain i'm guessing like four to six weeks tops yeah i i think once people get their fellow they're like all right cool and just go back to whatever they were doing before right oh, sad <laughs> but true um okay um let's see here Mm, thinking maybe we already answered Borzin's question about the Nintendo Direct. The mm. nanobiologist writes in and says, Hey, Andrea and Fran. Fran. He can answer. Mm. He can call in. Yeah, right. Should we call Fran and be like, Hey, <laughs> um, hey, Andrea and Imran, I'm just editorializing for you, nanobiologist. <laughs> I just want to hear what you guys think about the new Battle Pass and Rainbow Six Siege. Just before Gamescom started, Ubisoft showed off Operation Ember Rise, their third season of year four. It comes with a lot of new stuff with the season, like two new operators, a completely updated a new map, and update to an existing mode. But they also announced a Battle Pass on top of everything else with some caveats. First, the season three Battle Pass is free, and it only has seven unlocks. And second, each unlock comes with a new story element in a comic format. This is dandy and all, but naturally, the fans had backlash. Do they have a right to? I mean, this game is already riddled with microtransactions with alpha packs, elite skins, buying new operators instead of unlocking them, a season pass, and boosters on top of needing to buy the game. How can Ubisoft do this right to make sure the battle pass fits in well with their multitude of other ways of buying cosmetic content? To me, if they give season pass users either a 50% discount or a free paid battle pass, then I will continue to play this amazing game. Thanks, the nanobiologist. Are you a Rainbow Six person at all? I'm not. I kind of observe it from the outside. Like, every time I've played it, it's been fun. I've never actually got into it myself. This is one of those, like, 
uniquely video game things that other media doesn't have to deal with of how do you keep every audience who is at different investment levels happy? Yes, exactly. And it's something that we're finding is becoming increasingly more difficult for devs. I mean, we saw the, you know, uproar over what Apex was doing with their community just like a week or two ago. Mm -hmm. We've seen, you know, different online service games go through this ebb and flow of like, you know, doing the right thing. And then they introduce kind of egregious thing and then they walk it back. And I think finding a consistent monetization strategy is challenging because the cost of game development continues to rise. Right. Right. You know, it's something we talk about on the show a lot, this idea of, you know, the ever increasing costs and how do devs pay for, you know, their staff? You know, how do they pay for that burn rate that they're incurring? You know, if people are coming in to play for free, you know, and that was, you know, part of the discussion that we had around Apex was that, you know, the dev called out, you know, some of their fan base as freeloaders, you know, and there was a lot of people who got very upset by that. And, and rightly so. He had to come in and correct it and say, like, actually, like most of you don't even pay for the game. It's like so, and I thought that that was an interesting insight because I don't think we as consumers quite understand like why these monetizations are done the way they are. It would be great if developers could like you know take the film off and be like, hey, let's talk about why we have to monetize. That the way would make we do. such a big backlash though. <laughs> like immediately, as people saw like, oh well, you don't need to do this, this, and this. And like generally, sometimes. Like in the case of Apex, EP, or mm-hmm. EA is a publicly held company, so money has to constantly grow. Right. So they do, like, from their perspective, as the people creating that game or the people selling that game, it does need to constantly go up. But, like, also gamers are probably more sensitive to game prices going up more than any other audience, I would say. Like, you don't, you hear people grouse about movie tickets occasionally, but they don't really stop going to the movies about it unless they're, you know, Unless it was a deal breaker for them, but it's a deal breaker for many more gamers. And in Ubisoft's way, like a nanobiologist asked, like, do they have the right to complain about it? Which I kind of go towards the idea of if you're giving money to something, then yeah, you sh- you can complain, but you don't have the right to get angry about it. Really, you don't have the right to like harass anyone or do anything like that. I don't know if that's going on with Rainbow Six, but with Apex Legends, that was an issue. It was. And I, I do want to focus on, on Rainbow Six. It's a game I've played quite a bit of. Mm-hmm. Um, I've gotten, you know, several of the, the new seasons of content gifted to me by Ubisoft. So obviously I can't have a one to one, you know, empathetic like responses to like how much money people have invested in this game. What I can recognize is that Ubisoft has continued to support this game for years beyond launch and they do a lot of new operators and every time that I've jumped back in the game I've had a lot of fun and I think that there's a ton of ton of ways to personalize your characters and your operators with cosmetics and things like that again almost all of it is completely earnable in the game it just takes time Mm -hmm. or you can fast track to cosmetics by spending real world money right like that's you know not a new concept with microtransactions and live service games i'm trying to understand nanobiologists what the people are upset about specifically about the battle pass um so i pulled up an article here from uh pc games n and it says here's how the rainbow six siege battle pass works and when it comes out so it's not set to arrive until the end of year four but Ubisoft is committed to testing out new monetization system by testing out a free mini battle pass called Call Me Harry. This first battle pass arrives alongside the Rainbow Six Siege Ember Rise release date and runs for seven days and includes seven tiers. This mini battle pass will also provide some story snippets. And the new director of Rainbow Six Siege, uh, Dr. Harishva Harry Pandy, plus a neat chibi charm of Harry. So the chibi charms are things that you can buy in the game with either in-game currency or real-world money that's a customization on your gun. So while you're in first person, when you see your character's hands holding the gun, you can see like your little charm Mm -hmm. hanging off your gun. Um, Progression hasn't been covered in much depth by Ubisoft, but we do know that players will progress through tiers by earning battle points, which can be gained through standard gameplay. It's not currently clear if challenges will feature all in the Rainbow Six Siege Battle Pass, but it seems highly unlikely given the competitive nature of Siege. To ensure you're fully queued up before Battle Pass comes out, here's everything we know. So Nanobiologist does clarify, and you're wrong a little bit. He says, Gear 4 Season 3's Battle Pass is free. After that, they will have a free and paid version similar to all other Battle Passes. 
So I'm guessing this year it's just since there's only a free version, and since his wording on the question was like there's only seven unlocks and the story content is only in a comic format, mm-hmm. like it's just it's lesser, but it's free. So some people just want to pay money for the better stuff. For like a higher quality version of it? Oh, you'll be able to. Don't worry. Um, they spoke to, uh, so PC Games and spoke to Rainbow Six Siege presentation director Alex Karpazis at the Raleigh Major in 2019. Excuse me. So this was just like, what, a couple of weeks ago, the Rainbow Six tournament? That was, um, yeah, it, like two weeks, I think. Yeah. In order to learn a bit more about the Battle Pass, and it says the Battle Pass solves a couple of things for us. One is a new progression that's removed from your rank and clearance level. And it's also a new way to reward players for logging in and playing. We want to be generous so that players keep coming back to the game. Um Carpazis also says that Ubisoft wants to use the Battle Pass as a means of injecting story into the game, but that story content won't be locked behind a paywall. According to Carpazis, at the start of Year 4 Season 4, you'll have the motion comic you can watch right from the get-go, and you can preview and read the story for all of the items in the Battle Pass as well. So there's no word on how much it's going to cost when they launch the paid version, because as we mentioned right now, the mini version is completely free. Mm-hmm. So we'll have to get back to you on that. Yeah. Um, and it says it's, here, like, the outrage is another level of microtransactions on top of everything else. So it is the fact that people, they are adding a paid version eventually. Mm-hmm. So that means that they will be paying more for everything on top of, like, I guess the... Because the game is for sale. The game, all the heroes are for sale. So you do end up having to pay a lot to invest into the game. So I can I can well, see I mean, some. If you buy the base game, which you usually have to do to play, they yeah. do a lot of free weekends and then give you a discount if you want to buy after right. the free weekend. They've done that several times for for Siege. Um, so you can get you get a bunch of operators, and quite frankly, some of the original operators are the best ones. <laughs> Go Ash. Um, but. Yeah, they've added all of these other operators because in order to keep the servers healthy and to keep the player base invigorated, you have to have more content. But that content isn't free to make. You know, they Mm. have to pay for it somehow. They can't keep funding the development of new operators and new maps and new modes off of people buying the base game that came out in 2016? Yeah, I think for Ubisoft, it's probably a very... It's a hard question of, do we keep supporting this thing? Would we make more money if we like relaunch it as a new thing? Or would that start fresh and like maybe not pick up? Mm-hmm. So Like Siege 2 or something? Yeah. like There was, like, Jason Schreier reported about Overwatch 2, so I'm not surprised. Like, other games of the service are considering that kind of method of just sort of relaunching and maybe starting fresh. I feel like that's something that they would need to communicate to their active player base, though, right? Yeah. To say, hey, everybody, we've tried a couple different monetization schemes to keep funding the content, and we've decided we're going to take a break from updating the game so that we can focus on making, like, 2.0 or the next thing in the Rainbow Six universe. It's absolutely right? a risk and, like, probably one they don't would never want to take. So they're probably testing things like this, and I'm sure the audience isn't happy about the idea of, like, oh, well... Why like why are we getting a new thing? We already bought the game. Why are there more microtransactions? Yeah, it's because there's not a second game. Usually, that's the reason why they're they're still paying these developers, so they need to fund that somehow. Right. That said, sometimes they do try these things and they do not work out. They're bad decisions, and whether or not there's a backlash or not, they kind of look at it and be like, okay, we're not doing that. We're going to walk that back, or we're going to move something else. So if it does make you unhappy, if you're if you're a longtime Rainbow Six player and you don't like this. Say something. Say it nicely. Say it like with I'm a customer, like can I've paid money for this. I don't think this is a good value. And they will like they the whole point of a live service game is to keep the customers happy. Right. So I just think it's and now this is I'm probably gonna get pegged as ooh, Andrew is always so pro business. Um I just think it's a little ridiculous to get upset before we even know what the monetization scheme's gonna look like. Right? Like they haven't announced the pricing for the battle pass. We don't know what the final content is going to look like. It's just like one of these things that I feel like people are just getting really upset over something they don't even have any details on yet. Yeah, I mean, wait to see what it is. Like, those are you, like, these sort of things can change even after they've been launched. So if you, if it does turn out to be something that you absolutely do not like, you can look at the details and go, this is not great. Go to the subreddit, contact Ubisoft. They are very involved in the Rainbow Six Absolutely. So you can talk to them and say, this is not working for us and to be respectful about it. And you will probably get somewhere. People who make these games aren't out to screw you. They're... There are companies involved that maybe don't see you like as anything more than a revenue service, but the people who make them, the community managers, they usually try their best to work with the audience and do their are understanding when it comes to issues with their games. Well said. 
Um, and with that, we are going to end Reader Mail. I do want to make a little note that we saw the story about that broke this morning about what's happening with the studio behind Night in the Woods and the allegations from mm-hmm. Zoe Quinn. We just do not have time to tackle that story today. We also want to make sure to get more information before we tackle a story of that nature. So we're going to kick that to tomorrow if the host tomorrow decide that they want to cover that. I'll just but, say like the general thing, believe victims when you get the, if you have the opportunity, believe victims when they say, when they're risking themselves. Yeah. Absolutely. Especially people who know exactly how terrifying it is to have an internet mob like turned on you, yeah. uh, which Zoe absolutely does. Um, and so if you guys want to know more about that, there is definitely a variety of sources talking about the uh, abuse allegations, the rape allegations that have come out. There are multiple allegations from multiple developers in the video games community. Like I said, we just do not have enough information at this time and we're out of time um, to tackle this. But I do appreciate that Chad uh, Betteridge wrote in about this and reminded people that if you're being or have been sexually assaulted, please reach out to somebody call the national sexual assault hotline rain if you can that's 1-800-656-HOPE so again rain's hotline is 800-656-HOPE um, and obviously be be cautious when you're looking at some of these materials some of them are incredibly triggering um, so if that's something that you think could be detrimental to your mental health also take this.org it's okay to not be okay. They're a great resource as well. Um, and on that note, uh, we are going to head into your wrong and see what we've got going on here. Um, let's see. Um, so the nanobiologist said to clarify in-game cues in WoW are coming from killing certain monsters. In WoW Classic, monsters are tagged once hit and people cannot get credit if they weren't the first to hit the monster. This changed in a later expansion to help with in-game waiting to complete quests. Thank you. That's one of those things of like, oh, maybe we didn't want it back completely. Okay. Not all the ideas are great. Mm-hmm. See. Uh, nanobiologist Diablo on Switch was announced on August 16th, which was a Thursday of 2018, not a Tuesday. Interesting. Okay. Um, Lord of Pwns says Jeff Kaplan has said that there was a September announcement for Overwatch, and the listing for the case said it was releasing September 15th. Huh. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you, nanobiologist, for writing in this amazing guide to blockchain. I mean, don't have time to read it all. I've occasionally, like during the show, looked at that and tried to parse it, and I'm sure it makes a lot of sense when I have time to sit down and look at it. But yeah, that's dense. Oh, um, CG the second says missed deal of the day. If you buy Borderlands three from now until December thirtieth, twenty twenty, you get the Psycho Pack and Fortnite for free until twenty twenty. Is that right? That's crazy. Yeah. Oh, new date from Kuchoko. Spyro Trilogy Remastered hits Switch and PC on September 3rd. That's like a week from now. It is. Let's see here. All right, I said a name wrong. Hari, not Harry. My bad. Don't even remember where that was from. Um, Rainbow Six Siege was originally released on December 1st, 2015. Wow. Dang. And Nanobiologist says that Ubisoft has already announced that Rainbow Six Siege 2 is not going to happen and that they plan to have over 100 operators eventually. They can say whatever they want. Like. They sure can. And that's this episode of Kind of Funny Games Daily. Thank you so much to everybody who is watching live at twitch.tv slash kindoffunnygames. Don't forget to go to kindoffunny.com slash events to check out everything that's happening with Greg up at PAX West, which is just mere days away. And if you go to facebook.com slash what's good games, you can RSVP for our what's good party that we're throwing with Square Enix and Life is Strange too. It's going to be great. Imran. Since you're the new kid on the block, where can people find you? People can find me on my Twitter at, at ImranZOMG. My Twitch name is the same thing. Uh, for now, I think that's kind of it. 
Well, it's been great to get to host with you. I'm so glad that we got to do this before I head down to Los Angeles. Absolutely. Uh, we hope you guys enjoy the rest of your Monday. We've got more content coming for you. But for now, it's been our pleasure to serve.